are so grateful you have joined us for Fight Time 2024. So far, it has blessed us so much. Now, it's time for our next speaker, Sharon Driver. She is one very special lady, as many of you know. She leads with grace, is anointed, and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We are ready to hear the Lord speak through her and to feel His presence. A big, big welcome to our sister and friend, Sharon. I don't know. This has been the longest year of my life, 2023. But goodness gracious, it also feels like just like last week that I was up here. (laughs) It doesn't ever get easier coming up here, I don't think. But I'm thankful that this year the nerves have not been as bad all day long. So um, I just want to pray really quick because I do do want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to guide me. So y'all just pray for me. Um, and pray for, and I'll pray for y'all. So God, I just thank you, Lord, because you are so, so good that you have created and planned this conference, that you have planned for every single woman that is here to be here, God, today, because you have something for them. And so I, God, I just ask that you just anoint my words to speak whatever you want me to speak, God. I pray that you give me the passion that, you, that I had in November when you gave me this word. Let me, let me have the same passion for it today as I speak it. Let it be anointed. Let it fall on fertile ground, God. Let it expose the work of the enemy, God, and let it shine your truth and your light and your purpose and will in every single lady's life in this room today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going, um, I'm going to be talking about the woman at the well, and I have got, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read scripture. I'm sorry. Um, it's, I'm going to read, um, it's John 4, and it's verses 4 through 26, but I'm going to break the scriptures down, so they're all important. I can't uh, paraphrase it for y'all, so um, I'll try to be quick, though. Okay, so now... He had to go through Samaria, this is Jesus, so he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food, so he's all alone. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with the Samaritan. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself and did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't go thirsty or get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, 
You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you are are now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one you speak to, I am he. All right. So I know that was long. Thank you all for bearing with me. Um, So I said earlier that this was the hardest year of my life. 2023 was extremely hard. Um, Soon after last year's conference, um, my marriage kind of fell apart, and I went through a divorce. I was divorced. My divorce was finalized on December the 5th, and um, so it's been, it's been a tough year. It's been the hardest year, and it's also been, as crazy as it sounds, it's been one of the best years of my life because I have, had to re- I have relied on God for strength, for peace, and He has come through. I cannot operate in, when I'm operating in my own strength. It's like this. It's nothing. But when I have God, it's so much bigger. So I've been walking in his peace. I've been walking in his strength. And so it has been, it's been, it's been bad and it's been good. Um, and the truth is that when I, I've read the scriptures, I've, I've read the, uh, the story of the woman at the well so many times. Um, maybe two, three dozen times. And if I'm being honest, I never really could kind of relate to her because I was like, God, five, five husbands. Five husbands is a lot. Five husbands and you're with a man that you're not even married to. And, I'm, and so maybe I, um, maybe I was a little critical. Maybe I was a little judgmental. And I think that the woman at the well gets a bad rep. She has a bad reputation. Um, because we, we think about it in our point of view. Gosh, if she's got five husbands, she's, she's been divorced five times. No. <laughs> no, that's really not the case. Because the truth is that back then, women couldn't file for divorce. They had to have a male relative to file for divorce for them. And they weren't allowed to file for divorce because their husbands left dirty clothes on the floor. Because they wouldn't put the toilet seat down. No, they had to have a real reason like adultery. Like, it, you, you had to have a legitimate reason for divorce. It's not in, in reconcilable differences. No, no. And so um, we don't know what her story was. But um, I know that she did not go and file for five divorces. So um, when I was reading this, it just hit differently this year. When I read it in November, I was like, I just, the second I started reading, I wasn't looking for a fight time message. 
I wasn't, I wasn't asking God at that time because I was like, I got plenty of time. God's going to give me something. And I just started reading and I was like, oh God, <laughs> like this is it. And so I just started weeping because I just had this vision of her. And it doesn't, we don't know, we don't know. But I thought, I just imagine what her life must have been like. As a woman who's gone through a divorce, who's had, who's had a marriage fall apart, what it must have been like for her. And I just could see her in my mind as this beautiful young bride who was so excited to get married. And she marries this man and she loves him. She's so in love. And then I just thought, well, what if he died? What if he died? What if she was widowed? And I thought about the heartbreak that she must have experienced from that loss. And you know, back then, women depended on having a husband for support. And, and there were even laws set in place where if a woman did not have an heir for that husband, then, um, then a relative would marry her so that they could provide a, an heir. And so I thought, what if she was just passed down to this relative? What if that was her next husband? And what if he didn't really appreciate that she was so in love with that first husband, that she felt so devastated from that last marriage? What if he was a cruel man? What if he was abusive? What if he mistreated her? Um, the pain that she could have been going through. And then, you know, then life goes on, and, and then she ends up with a third marriage, and and the third marriage, she has, this, she has a little bit of hope still, a little bit of hope that maybe, maybe I can find love again. Maybe it can be better than this last one. Maybe I can, maybe, maybe a little bit. And then it's just a letdown. It's disappointment because it's no better. She's still, she's still hurt. She's still in pain. She's, she's still disappointed. And then here comes husband number four. And by this time, she's just like, I just want to escape it. I just want to escape it. So husband four is a, a escape for, an escape. It's an escape. So maybe, maybe lying to herself, maybe um, finding ways to cope like we do, like we do. And her hope is fading. And, and then she comes to number five and she's just like, this is it. This is as good as it's going to get. This is my life to just be passed from one thing to another, from another to another. And this is just it. This is as good as it gets. And then that husband dies. And then, my goodness gracious, five husbands. It's going to be hard to find somebody that's going to marry you a sixth time. And so she's, she feels cursed. Like this, I'm just cursed. I can't come out from underneath this an outcast because that's what you are when um when you're going to the well to draw to draw water in the in the heat of the day you don't go when in the cool of the day with the other women you go alone separated an outcast separated from normal society and so can you see yourself as the woman at the well because i began to see myself as the woman at the well and no, I haven't been married five times. Most of you in here probably have not been married five times. But to be married is to be joined with, to um, meet, to fit together with something. It doesn't mean just matrimony. 
And so what have you been married to in your life? What have you come into contact with? What have you met? Do you remember the first time that loss touched your life? When you experienced loss, maybe a death of someone that you love, divorce, maybe your parents, separation from people that you love, do you remember that loss and the pain that came? It's a cycle. We face these cycles where we are, when we come into contact with something and we become, we meet up with it and it becomes a part of us and we become married to it. And so there's that grief that comes with loss and you carry that grief with you. And then haven't you faced, haven't you faced cruelty? God, I faced cruelty, abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. Broken promises, feeling like a failure, all of those letdowns, rejection. And then when, finally, when, when we've had enough of it, when we've carried it all, all of that weight around long enough, then we're looking, how do I get rid of it? What can I do to escape this? What can I do to escape this pain? What can I do to escape this rejection from this feeling of being unwanted, I'm going to turn to whatever will numb it. So God, I'm going to turn to drugs. I'm turning to drugs because it helps me to forget. I'm turning to alcohol because it helps numb me. I'm turning to every man that will look my way because it makes me feel love for just a minute. Oh, what have we run to to escape our heart, our heart, our heart hardening? Harding our heart to, so we don't have to feel the pain. Seeking control of every situation so that nothing, nothing can come out of place, out of our plan. Because we have control over everything. And then when that stops working, when the drugs don't erase it anymore, when the alcohol doesn't numb it, when the man doesn't fill that void anymore... <laughs> Then, we're, then we feel this hopelessness. That this, is, this, is what, this is the way I'm going to feel the rest of my life. I can't find anything to change it. Nothing has worked. I'm cursed. I'm unworthy. I'm unwanted. I'm worthless. And I'm hopeless. And I'm weary. And so I think about the woman at the well when she went that she had all of that hurt, all of that loss, all of that pain, all of that feeling of being cursed and unwanted. And she goes in the middle of the day. And who, who does she come to? Five husbands later and one man. Six men later. So she comes and she meets the bridegroom. When God said that to me, she met the bridegroom. I thought, oh God, this is a proposal. He is proposing to her at the well. And it completely changed the way that I have read this story. And everything that it symbolized. Oh, I'm sorry for my emotions, but oh, the Holy Spirit just um, it, he wrecked me. <laughs> Um, and so I just became overwhelmed. And uh, 
So let me, let me tell you why it, it's, it felt like such a proposal to me. First of all, it was intimate. He came alone. <laughs> Jesus met her alone. All of his disciples were gone. It's, it, Jesus went alone to pray. He went alone to be with the Lord in prayer, with God in prayer. It, he was so constantly surrounded by people. He was constantly with his disciples when he wasn't in prayer. He made a point to be one-on-one with her, to be intimate with her. He asked her for her water. And then, and then, and then he, he offers her his. And what is the living water? Well, the living water is the Holy Spirit. Okay? That is what, that is what he's offering is the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1 and 13, it, it says that, Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Romans 8 and 9 says, if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, you are not His. So what He's saying is, I'm gonna, I want to give you, I want to give you my Holy Spirit because it's going to seal you to me. It's going to commit me, commit you to me. It's going to bring us together. It's going to bond us. Nothing comes between a seal. Not even air comes between a seal. He wants to be that close with you, that committed with you. He wants you to be sealed to him, establishing that we are his. And the woman says, sir, give me this water so that I don't want, I won't thirst again. And I don't have to keep coming here to this water to draw. And what is his response? This is, Go, go get your husband. He didn't say, go get your husband to bring her shame, to bring up the fact that she's been married five times, that she's been with a man that she's not even married with. He didn't tell her that to bring shame or to bring guilt, but he told her that because he wants her to know there is nothing hidden from me. There is nothing that can come between me because I know you. Yeah. He knows everything that you have ever done. He knows everything that you have ever been through. He knows your heart. And he's saying, I know you. And I'm still asking you. I'm still offering you my Holy Spirit. Knowing it all. This is not, this is not going to be like your previous marriages. Oh, God, this, this is not a random woman or a random encounter. She was created for that time and for that purpose. What the enemy had intended for evil in her life, God was turning it and using it for good. Yes, amen. It had to be this woman, and it had to be her testimony, because it's speaking to us today. It has been speaking to me, and God, I have needed to hear her testimony. The enemy says that your testimony disqualifies you, and no, what God is saying is no, it qualifies you, because I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. 
He came for the lost. He came for the sick. And he came for the brokenhearted. 1 Peter 5 and 10 says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore. He will restore you. He will confirm you. He will strengthen you. And he will establish you. Yes. I'm going to close in just a second if I can get some. The musicians can come on up. So today, you are the woman at the well. You have come to the well. And Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the bridegroom, has met you here today. He has prepared and planned this intimate time with you. Let every doubt be erased and every lie of the enemy that has said you're too far gone, you're unlovable, you're unwanted, let them be silenced now. Jesus is saying, I know you like no one else has ever known you because there's nothing hidden from me. I know everything that you've been through, everything that you have done, and it hasn't stopped me from loving you or desiring your love for me. He desires you. He desires you. He's saying, I'm the one that you've been waiting for. I am I am the perfect groom. I am the perfect bridegroom. He's the one that's going to fill that void that you've been trying to fill with every, every fleshly thing, every man, every substance. He's going to fill that void. But it is an exchange, a proposal. You have to say yes to it in order to receive it. You have to say yes to exchange your bitter water for his refreshing, eternal water. You have to be willing to exchange your life, your temporary life. Lord, this is my life, and I'm giving it to you. You have to be willing to lose your life here on earth to receive eternal life, to save it. You have to be willing to surrender your will and saying, God, I give you my will so that I can receive yours. It is an exchange. And then that's when he says, I'll take your weakness and I'm going to, in exchange, give you my strength. I'm going to take your pain and instead I'm going to give you my joy. He says, I'm going to take all of your hate, all of your anger, all of the bitterness, the rage that you feel, and I'm going to give you my love. I'm going to take the chaos, the chaos from everything that has been going on in your head that won't ever be silent, that keeps you replaying and replaying and replaying the past, that keeps you bound to that past, the chaos, and he's going to give you his peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Jesus. He's going to take your confusion and he's going to give you wisdom. You've got 
to be willing to hand it over. You've carried it long enough. And so today, I just want you to take the time to be at the well, to listen to his proposal, to say yes to him, and then to allow him to take everything that the world, that the enemy has done to you and receive everything that he has done for you. Renounce. To renounce is to formally divorce. And we're going to renounce some things in a little while when we do deliverance. So we're going to divorce everything that you've been married to. Everything that you've been married to in the past. And you're going to say yes to you, Lord. Yes to your Holy Spirit. And we are going to declare that, Lord, I am yours. And you are mine. In Jesus' name.